This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Happy reporting season. Oh, mate, it's a very exciting time. It is, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's just co- it's content galore. It's content galore. Expectations broadly seem to be being beaten, particularly over in the States. And uh, we've got a pretty exciting episode to, uh, to bring to uh, the Equimates community today. Yeah, well, you wanted to get on the mic and just do 45 minutes of reading out numbers in your deep baritone voice which is apparently so deep that it's busting car speakers so that's that's a bit of a feather in your cap uh but i i thought that maybe we could do something better than uh 45 minutes of uh facebook beat earnings by (laughs) that could be pretty exciting no but you're right ren there's a better way to do this so today um we're going to be taking a bit of a a look at what has been happening in reporting season with a particular focus in this episode on the tech sector over in the States. We will be doing more episodes over the next couple of weeks, focusing on some of the companies over in Europe, as well as here in Australia. But uh, to kick it off, it's all things tech today. Equitymates is all about making markets accessible, Ren, as we've said many times. And uh, for a long time, you and I have actually had a bit of a gripe with earnings calls and and that's because a they're at pretty inconvenient times and b they are quite difficult to find and to listen to on demand but i think we both recognize that they're such a rich um, source of information for for particularly for retail investors yeah 100 um, percent. it's pretty rare that you get to listen to you know, Mark Zuckerberg get grilled about Facebook for an hour or Elon <laughs> Musk get grilled about uh, Tesla for an hour. Like that is a rich source of information to hear from these CEOs and founders themselves about their companies and to have them have to uh, answer questions 
uh, that you know isn't PR managed or anything. It's investment bankers asking the hard questions. So it is such a great source of information. We've often discussed uh, how we can get that information to more retail investors, um, but we've uh, we've actually found that a company has gone one step further and actually done something about it yeah. rather than us just talking about it we've been beaten to the beaten to the, <laughs> the the punch is that the saying whatever but we have found a company and when we're asked what are some of the resources that we like using when it comes to investing um quarter is one that we've come across recently q-u-a-r-t-r such a startup name <laughs> quarter and uh what they do is essentially aggregate all of these investor calls from around the world, many countries, and put them into a, a, an app that allows you to listen to them on demand. And also, uh, for some of them, they provide PDFs with the actual earnings uh, reports as well. So, you can go through and choose your countries, choose your companies, and and really tune in to, as, as you said, Ren, listening to the CEOs, the CFOs, all talk about their companies pretty much um, as soon as the, the investor calls are, are released. So Yeah, yeah. Based, like the Afterpay and Square earnings call was 10 p.m. on a Monday and I woke up on Tuesday and it was there. So uh, pretty timely. Um, it's basically like a podcast app for earnings calls. And the fact that we're talking about it today probably isn't sensible because uh, – people will start listening to the CEOs directly rather than you and I. <laughs> True. Uh, um, but but it, is, it is a great resource. Uh, even better, it is free. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely an app that's become part of my habits around reporting season. Um, mm. So definitely a good one to check out. Uh, one final note, Stockholm is the home of audio. That that's that's my call, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Spotify comes out of Stockholm, then Acast comes out of Stockholm. Now, Corda is coming out of Stockholm. I feel like if you want to be an audio-based entrepreneur, uh, uh, you got to get over, get yourself over to Sweden. Does that mean we have to move to Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like company. we need maybe we need a satellite office in Sweden. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. So to check it out, uh, quarter www.quarter.se um, or search it in your app. But what we're going to do today is actually take some of these investor calls. We've got, uh, as you mentioned, Ren, the Square and Afterpay investor call. We've got um, Twitter, we've got Snap, and we've got Facebook, all very interesting earnings calls. We've taken out some of the key parts of those calls and uh, we're going to have a bit of a conversation around those and really just highlight the the rich information that these calls do offer and uh, and hopefully by the end of it people will be hooked on earnings calls just as much as we are so um, no time like the present and uh, I guess t- there couldn't be a, a bigger story to be talking about than the square afterpay acquisition rent so should we start yes. with that? Yeah, if people aren't sick of this story already, uh, we hopefully will be adding some colour to it by, rather than us just rehashing what happened, uh, Jack Dorsey, Square co-founder and CEO, and Nick Molnar, co-CEO and co-founder of Afterpay, uh, can talk about it in their own words. Um, But for people who are unfamiliar, Square, a $115 billion um, US tech company or fintech company, 
uh, has acquired, will announce they're going to acquire Afterpay uh, for $39 billion Aussie dollars, $29 billion US. And after that announcement was made on last Monday, there was an earnings call for Square's quarterly results that night. And Nick Molnar joined the call because obviously a lot of the questions were about Square's acquisition of Afterpay. So we're going to play a few clips, uh, Jack Dorsey and Nick Molnar talking about it and then taking some questions from investment banking analysts. But to kick it off, I think let's start with the introduction of the call where Jack Dorsey and then Nick Molnar uh, talk about the result and the acquisition. Thanks, Jason. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Before we discuss our plans to acquire Afterpay, which we announced yesterday, I'd like to first share two highlights from the quarter. Continuing our commitment to expand access to financial tools and services, in July, we launched Square Banking for our U.S. sellers. This new suite of products will help business owners better manage their cash flow and get more out of their money. Square Banking now includes three core products, two deposit accounts, Square Savings, and Square Checking, joining Square's existing lending products, now called Square Loans. By offering a central banking tool that integrates seamlessly with seller solutions like payments and Square Payroll, Sellers now have a unified view of their payments, balances, expenses, and financing options. We also announced the launch of a new business at Square. Its name is CBD, which will focus on building an open developer platform with the goal of making it easy to create non-custodial, permissionless, and decentralized financial services. Our primary focus is on Bitcoin, driven by our belief that Bitcoin has massive potential to level the playing field for all. We're going to make our development process completely transparent to the public. We plan to share updates publicly in real time as we have them. Now on to yesterday's acquisition announcement. Today is an important day for Square, for Afterpay, and for what, for what we can do together to better serve our customers. Through this transaction, we will be uniting two companies with a shared focus on economic empowerment and financial inclusion, and taking the important opportunity to connect our two largest business units, Seller and Cash App. By integrating Afterpay into Seller and Cash App, we plan to combine complementary businesses while also accelerating even stronger connections and driving more commerce across both ecosystems. Increasingly, we're seeing strong demand for buy now, pay later for both merchants and consumers and rapid adoption amongst both, especially among younger consumers. This new financial service gives more control to individuals and merchants and is one, of, and is one we want to make part of our combined ecosystem. It's a simple idea enable a seller's customers to pay for purchases later, interest-free, without having to use traditional credit sources while helping to drive more omni-channel sales to the seller. Afterpay has built this out as a seller tool and combined that with a flexible, responsible payment method for consumers that also includes mer- merchant discovery. As of June 30th, Afterpay served more than 16 million consumers and nearly 100,000 merchants globally. It's a huge opportunity for growth on both sides, and growth in one helps the other, just like the rest of our ecosystem today. Beyond the com- compatibility of our businesses, we've been drawn from the start to Afterpay's founder-led entrepreneurial team. Afterpay's co-founder and co-CEOs, Nick and Ant, have built an authentic, thoughtful, and visionary team focused on economic empowerment. It's been incredible to witness how effortlessly our conversations flowed around shared ideas and visions. Every conversation has raised the bar on what we can all do together, and our strong collaboration will well serve our integration process. 
I'm thrilled that upon closing, Nathan Ann will join Square and help lead Afterpay's respective merchant and consumer efforts as part of Square's seller and cash-up teams. And I'm excited to see what we can build together. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to Nick to tell you more about Afterpay. Thank you very much, Jack. Hi, everyone. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today, back in the U.S., and just in time to co-announce the next phase of our incredible journey. I'm here today because of my co-founder and co-CEO, Anthony Eisen, who only a few years ago sat down with me over some Vegemite on toast around his kitchen table to discuss how we could improve the financial well-being of the next generation, to empower them to spend responsibly without having to revolve in debt, interest payments, or service fees. I'm thankful every day that Ant and my paths crossed and that we and our families have had the privilege to go on this journey together. It's been an incredible six-fold so years since, ending our fiscal year 2021, nearly doubling our business year-on-year, building a loyal base of afterpayers who love the product, and a network of more than 100,000 merchants who see increased retail opportunity through our partnership, and notwithstanding the recent challenges in the global economy. I couldn't be more proud of what we've achieved so far, and know that yesterday's announcement, there is so much more to come. We've been long admirers of the Square team and in many ways have lived parallel journeys as entrepreneurs focused on creating financial empowerment for consumers and businesses alike. As we've gotten to know each other better, the scale and shape of our businesses, the synergies in our products and our shared purpose, it's abundantly clear that we're at the start of an amazing partnership and I know our team across the globe will share my excitement and enthusiasm at the opportunity to come. We started Afterpay, having met by chance as neighbours in Sydney. Both Ant and I were passionate about developing an alternative to traditional finance and credit products. Having seen firsthand the impact of the global financial crisis and knowing that many millennial and Gen Z consumers were looking out for an alternative to traditional credit, we saw a way to empower consumers to to responsibly buy what they wanted with their own money and to drive incremental value to merchants. Since then, Afterpay has become a leader in the global buy-now-pay-later space. We have flipped the traditional credit model on its head to drive significant value to both merchants and consumers. Our product and approach is simple to sign up within minutes, make your first purchase via in-store, online or app, and repay in four equal instalments. When you sign up to Afterpay, we don't conduct a credit check or ask you to jump through any hoops. Our model is based on trust. You start with a lower spending limit that increases over time and reflects good repayment behaviour. Afterpay consumers share a deep loyalty and affinity with our product and brand. They afterpay their purchases frequently across many retailers and verticals. It's this frequency with which our consumers use Afterpay that truly differentiates us and shows the power of our product and platform. On average, our top 10% of consumers globally used Afterpay more than 30 times in the US and 60 times in Australia in financial year 2021. And for merchants, whether they're large enterprise or small to medium-sized businesses, we truly partner to help grow their business. We have driven higher average order values, greater basket sizes, and the additional new and repeat customers, often who within 24 or 48 hours of going live. Above the value of our core payment proposition, in FY21, Afterpay drove over over 1 million leads on average per day and acts as a key marketing customer acquisition channel for our global retailers in attracting this highly valuable next generation consumer.
As Ant and I have gotten to know the Square team better, what's become clear is how aligned we are, not just in our business, but the way we think, live, and breathe our mission. In almost every conversation, we've been focused on creating a better way for people to spend, save, and do business with the intent of building greater financial well-being. And the brilliant thing is that both of our companies share this commitment. By bringing together our platform with Square, we know we can leverage our combined strengths to continue to connect both sides of the economic equation so that everyone shares in great outcomes. As we look forward, there are a number of ways in which our businesses can achieve shared and even greater success. Our businesses are highly complementary across segments, products, channels and geographies. This combination will further expand our combined opportunity across small, medium and enterprise businesses, consumer banking and financial services, wider retail categories, and both online and in-person commerce. Both Square and Afterpay resonate strongly with the millennials and Gen Z consumers, and we're excited at the opportunity for the Afterpay product to be offered to a growing base of more than 70 million annual active cash out customers whose lifestyles, preferences, and views are shared and very familiar with us. These consumers will increase the, uh, the reach for our retail partners and the marketing value we can drive to their businesses. Likewise, our merchant bases are very complementary to the millions of sellers that use Square to run and grow their businesses today. We believe we can introduce a number of upmarket and global sellers to the Square business. And as merchants and consumers increasingly look for seamless in-store and online experiences, I am confident that together we can really maximise the strength of our omni-channel offerings, complementary technology and expertise. Yesterday's announcement marks the start of an incredible opportunity to unlock the next phase of growth in our business. The, the compelling transaction provides our shareholders with the opportunity to participate in the future growth of an innovative company aligned with our vision. Importantly, our Australian Afterpay shareholders will still be able to maintain exposure to the growth and value creation of the combined company through owning Square shares or CDIs. I know both Ant and I are incredibly excited to join the Square team upon completion of the transaction and help lead Afterpay's respective merchant and consumer efforts as part of the Square seller and cash-up efforts. Thank you to the Square team for picking up a conversation with two Aussie entrepreneurs and seeing the strength of our combined opportunity. I can't wait to see where we take this. Well, there you go. We've just heard from Jack Dorsey and also Ren um, Nick Molnar, who is now going down in Australian corporate history, um, given the size of this, especially in capital markets, given the size of this uh, this acquisition. So pretty awesome opportunity to hear directly from him. A lot of chat about Bitcoin from Jack and uh, a lot of chat about mission. I don't know if you found that as well, but a lot of these acquisitions, it's mission, mission, mission. Um, yeah, this was particularly <laughs> particularly mission focused. Yeah, but uh, but look, I, I think my only question, and it's probably not worth um, unpacking too much here, but from a square point of view, like what happens if they do get this Bitcoin bet wrong? If if Bitcoin doesn't turn out to be as transformative as they think it is because Jack's a massive on Bitcoin. Um, well, that's yeah, we're, we're going to get to Jack on the Twitter earnings call later and no surprises here, Bitcoin rates are mentioned on Twitter's earning call, uh, earnings call as well. <laughs> but I think, I think the business that Square has been building is bit much bigger than Bitcoin. Obviously, there's a number of reasons why they like the functionality of Bitcoin, trying to build a 
global fintech is a lot easier with a global digital currency rather than trying to ha- having to you know roll out in each local currency. Um, so from a business perspective, a global digital currency helps Square a lot, and I, I would hazard a guess that that's part of the reason why Jack is such a big evangelist because there's like a real tangible, meaningful benefit for the business that he's running. But yeah, Square is such a big business. It's yeah, like 70 million users on the Cash app, massive number of millions of merchants um, using it. Even if Bitcoin fails, they'll be fine. Yeah. Okay, Ren. Well, we've heard from Jack and Nick. So um, who have we got next? Amrita, the CFO of Square. Any key points we should be taking from this from your point of view? Yeah, so in this clip, Amrita talks about, I guess, the prospects for Square and Afterpay going forward. Uh, I think really important if you are an Afterpay shareholder and you're weighing up your options, do you want to continue to hold shares in Square? This this is a good clip. Something that really caught my ear was the discussion of Afterpay's cohort economics. Mm. Afterpay Mm. split out their users by how many years they've been on the platform. And the data is pretty incredible in terms of how much each additional year people are using Afterpay more, um, which is great for a business. If every customer, you're keeping them and they're spending more every incremental year, um, that's a really good sign. And that's definitely something that Square picked up on. So listen out for Amrita talking about that in, uh, in this next clip. Thanks, Nick. We believe this is a transformative opportunity for our combined companies. And there are three topics I'd like to cover regarding the proposed Afterpay acquisition. First, the strengths of the Afterpay business. Second, the complementary aspects of our merchant and consumer ecosystems. And third, the profound growth opportunity we see together. Afterpay has distinguished itself as a category leader in buy now, pay later with a product that is well positioned for secular shifts among merchants and consumers. First, greater consumer and merchant adoption has enabled Afterpay to deliver remarkable growth with revenue up approximately four times over the last two years. We see a number of levers to help drive continued growth for Afterpay, first in terms of ongoing secular growth of buy now, pay later in e-commerce, and second in terms of Afterpay's future growth adjacencies. Second, Afterpay's business has strong cohort economics, providing a durable foundation for growth. Across its merchant and consumer base, Afterpay has delivered positive GMV retention and increased purchase frequency over time with strong paybacks and returns on acquisition spend. These fundamentals mirror the dynamics in our cash app and seller ecosystems around glowing engagement and strong returns. Next, we're excited by our compelling cross-sell opportunities. By integrating Afterpay directly into our cash app and seller ecosystems, we can expand each brand's customer base, strengthen each other's products, and build connections. On the consumer side, the addition of Afterpay embeds commerce more directly into Cash App. Afterpay's merchant base will have access to four times more consumers, and Cash App will have access to 16 million Afterpay consumers who represent a complementary demographic base. On the merchant side, we'll introduce Square sellers to Afterpay's Buy Now, Pay Later offering, which expands Afterpay more deeply into new verticals and in-person commerce. Turning to the financial impact from the deal, we're excited about the meaningful growth opportunity Afterpay will add. 
with year-over-year gross profit growth of 96% in the last 12 months ended June 30, we expect Afterpay to be accretive to gross profit growth in the first year after closing. Afterpay is a younger business and earlier in ramping its profitability, so we expect a modest decrease to adjusted EBITDA margins in the first year after closing. Historically, our investments behind strong cohort economics have driven compounding profitable growth. We similarly intend to invest behind Afterpay's strong returns to uh, to unlock the significant synergies we see ahead. Under the terms of the agreement, Square will acquire Afterpay for approximately $29 billion U.S. dollars, where Afterpay shareholders will receive a fixed exchange ratio of 0.375 shares of Square Class A common stock for each ordinary share of Afterpay they own. The transaction is expected to close in the first quarter of 2022, subject to customary closing conditions, including regulatory approval and approval by shareholders of both companies. And, of course, the stock-based consideration of this transaction not only strongly aligns management incentives, but also enables shareholders of both Square and Afterpay to participate in future upside opportunity. We believe the combination of Square and Afterpay will benefit our customers in the long-term profitable growth of our company. I'll now provide a brief overview. So this next clip features a question from an investment banker that was a key question that I had as well when I first heard the news of the Afterpay Square deal, which was why Mm. buy Afterpay for $29 billion US dollars rather than just build buy now pay later functionality in-house. So I think that was a key question. It's a question that a lot of analysts have had. um, And here is Jack Dorsey and Amrita... um, answering that question. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Lisa. Um, so as you mentioned, I mean, this, this space uh, is getting more and more crowded, and obviously there's a lot of uh, different services and solutions out there. Um, we, we started with uh, what Nick and Ant have built and, and uh, how ambitious and entrepreneurial and innovative they've been. Um, you know, they, they were extremely early in this space, uh, helped define a lot of it. Um, and uh, really raise the bar on what everyone else is doing. So we were impressed by the vision, um, by their ambition, by the entrepreneurship. I think the, the other big thing for us is making sure that, you know, we've talked on this call a lot about how to connect the two, our two biggest ecosystems, seller and cash app. And this was a clear fit in a way that they built their model out, um, a simple merchant tool and uh, some incredible discovery for, for consumers. Um, so for, for consumers, Afterpay offers truly interest-free products that don't require any credit history, something vastly different uh, from what we've seen with other buy now, pay later products. And this allows broader access to consumers while helping them spend a lot more responsibly. So that goes towards our purpose of economic empowerment. And for merchants, um, Square has always uh, asked the question, how can we help our merchants make more sales? And that was exactly the question that Afterpay has been asking, providing them a way for to generate leads through the Afterpay app, which has helped them improve conversion rates, increased uh, their transaction sizes, and led to repeat purchases and re- repeat um, customers. So uh, this allowed Afterpay to reach more than 16 million consumers and 100,000 100, merchants globally. So we're um, you know, looking at the, at the field. This was an obvious connection between the seller and cash app uh, and Ants and Nick have built uh, on top of an ecosystem model. There's a clear fit into our model that makes it even stronger uh, for us. And the team they built is incredible, creative, innovative, 
and ambitious, and you know, we, we just we just saw this as a as a perfect move for for both companies. And Lisa, I'd add a thank you comments to that as well. We've been really impressed with the um, strong business fundamentals that Afterpay has demonstrated. Of course, we look at the combination of both growth and cohort economics. And what we see here in the cohort economics is growing engagement amongst consumers. After onboarding, consumers transact more frequently each year that they're on the platform with some of the older cohorts from Australia and New Zealand transacting 30 times per year. Um, we also look at the international expansion that this team has executed and demonstrated. Um, Afterpay has shown an ability to grow quickly in new regions, including the U.S., which has been its fastest-growing market to date. And then the alignment to the strategic priorities of Cash App and Seller, where Afterpay's Buy Now, Pay Later products can help strengthen our existing ecosystems and, and help, we can help Afterpay expand with small and medium-sized businesses and, and in-person and additional verticals. So, um, you know, these uh, volume metrics that, we dem- that Afterpay has demonstrated with merchants, whether it's 25% uplift in transaction size or 20% uplift in conversion rates and, and in purchase frequency, um, and the lead generation they've demonstrated for merchants with a million leads per day, as Nick said, these are stats of a healthy foundation on which we can build together to accelerate growth across both the Afterpay ecosystem as well as cash and seller. Ren, so the final clip we have here um, is another big question that uh, a lot of the Equimates community have been asking uh, beyond the build or buy, but also how Afterpay and Square are going to be competing with the likes of PayPal, Apple, Amex, and other large payment providers. So in this uh, clip, Jack goes into a bit of detail around the ecosystem that Square are building, both from a seller's point of view and the buyer's point of view. And then Nick also touches on how they compete and where they see uh, Afterpay's unique value proposition and, and fitting in with the Square ecosystem. I can I can start with this. Um, I think first and foremost, um, where we believe we're most differentiated is our combined ecosystem ecosystem strategy. So you know we see a lot of competitors with um, a seller ecosystem or uh, a consumer ecosystem, but there are very very few with both uh, together. And as you look at the market. You know, having having the ability for a seller to come in for buy now, pay later, but also have the entire uh, suite of tools they need to run the rest of their business um, is is pretty magical. And it's magical because it saves them a lot of time. Uh, they don't have to spend a lot of time connecting different vendors together. Um, they can focus entirely on just building their business. And while it seems that's important for the smaller companies, uh, it's even more critical for the larger companies, even the enterprise global retailers as well. So our model and our strategy is really focused on on this fundamental principle of, you know, we have two ecosystems at scale serving both sides of the counter. And the more we can connect them together to be seamless, um, the more value we can create both for the merchants, for the individuals, their customers, and also for, for our company as well. Um, maybe Nick can speak to this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jack. Um, look, from 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 my perspective, uh, you know, we've differentiated ourselves um, over the years by providing, well, looking at it through the lens of what value can we drive to the retailer. So naturally, 
you know, our retailers see value in our core payment platform and it delivers, you know, higher average order value, increased return rates, lower, lower, lower return rates, increased conversion rates. But the undercurrent here of how retailers really assess us in, you know, the business performance is can we actually drive new business to their platform? You know, can we act as a customer acquisition channel for the retailer and, you know, drive business to them? And as, a, as I mentioned before, um, you know, on average sending a million leads per day over the course of the last 12 months to our retailers shows that, you know, we can perform, you know, not, not, just, not just through the core payment platform, but actually add value directly. And there aren't a lot of um, payment providers that have successfully built, you know, a platform that has the ability to drive new business to, to retailers. So when I think about what we've been able to achieve as a result of reaching, you know, 16 million uh, annual active consumers, the ability to couple that with 70 million annual active cash out consumers and, you know, the ecosystem that, that, that unfolds as a result of that, um, the value we can drive to our retailers, I, I believe, is demonstrably greater than the existing, you know, strong results that we've been able to perform. So, you know, re- really excited about it from, from that perspective on our side. So that brings us to the end of the Square and Afterpay segment, I guess. Uh, the that They're all the clips that we've got from that earnings call. Uh, there was a bunch of other stuff that we didn't cover. Um, Jack, Nick and the team were asked about Square's international expansion plans and how Afterpay helps them enter new markets where Square isn't particularly strong. Uh, they also get asked again about the buy versus build decision and uh you know they go into some further detail on that so obviously we couldn't include it all although it would have been a very easy episode for us to put together if we just put all 50 (laughs) minutes of the earnings call uh but i think uh if people if you want to listen to the full call it's worth checking out it's a pretty momentous uh, I guess moment in Australian business history. Uh, head over, head over to the quarter app, mm. and you can listen to the whole thing. But look, that's just one earnings call. There's heaps to go in this episode. We're going to cover Twitter, Snap, and Facebook because there's some interesting stuff in all of them. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. All right, Ren. So we've done the big one uh, in Square and Afterpay, but there's still plenty of other massive companies to talk about. So we're going to touch on Twitter, Snap and Facebook. You're a massive Twitter fan, have been for a while. Um, and that's not only because you like <laughs> venting through your private Twitter account, <laughs> but uh, you you love the building, the business that Jack Dorsey is building. So pretty busy man, given that he's running not only Twitter, but is now uh, engaged with Square well, not, as well. Not, so, not now uh, engaged with what Square, is the- co-founded Square. <laughs> look, look some, some people yeah. love Jeff Bezos, some people love Elon Musk. I love Jack Dorsey and his shaved head and big beard. Weird, yeah, weird looking guy, a <laughs> bit of a Bitcoin fanatic, but what can we expect from, what can we expect to hear from Jack regarding Twitter? So we've pulled out an opening clip from the earnings call when in sort of his introductory remarks here, um, he focuses on three key trends that are relevant to Twitter, artificial intelligence, decentralization, and the third one, no surprises, Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're wondering how Bitcoin ties into a social media platform, um, 
Jack Dorsey finds a way. I'm sure he does. <laughs> so, uh, look, we'll let we'll let uh, the man speak for himself. So we got a we've got a short clip here from Jack Dorsey on Twitter's Q2 earnings call. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. We just strong Q2. Total revenue hit 1.19 billion, with that revenue up 87 percent year over year, driven by faster shipping cadence, strong sales execution, and a broad increase in advertiser demand. Average monetizable DAU reached $206 million, up 11% year-over-year, in line with our outlook and historical seasonal trends. We intend to build an ecosystem of connected features and services focused on serving three core jobs. News, which is what's happening, discussion, conversation, and helping people get paid. Every single person in the world has some need for at least the first two and frequently the third. Building a model like this isn't easy or fast, and its deliberateness ensures resilience and ever-increasing global value. There are three trends while relevant to Twitter and you, our shareholders. AI, decentralization, and the Internet finally having access to a global native currency in Bitcoin. All these will help our do our jobs better, and we intend to lead the way in each. With AI and machine learning, we increase relevance and discovery, a long-standing issue on Twitter, which we're improving every day, from sign-up to in-app sessions. With decentralization, we increase the size of the corpus of conversation we have access to and improve conversational health by giving more people more power to individuals. And with the global currency, we can ensure people, ha- people and companies can freely trade goods and services anywhere on the planet. The ecosystem model will enable an experience where an individual or company of any size can tweet, reply, move to an audio chat, build a following, write a newsletter, charge for content, and eventually sell a service or good all in one simple flow. Each part of this cycle will positively reinforce other parts and build upon itself. I've seen this work elsewhere, and it'll work even more for Twitter. Along the way, we're going to try things that end up not being a fit. We're going to be fast to recognize this and take action without hesitation, as we did with fleets. There are better solutions to the problem we're trying to solve than the stories format everyone has adopted. Entirely new formats that are unique to Twitter and our model. This is what we're starting to create. Expect us to start and stop many more features than we have in the past. That's all from me for now. I want to thank you all for your continued trust and belief as we do our work. So pretty phenomenal growth coming from quick Twitter. Um, I'd encourage anyone listening to actually go and have a detailed look at their earnings. Um, a company that continues to, uh, to surprise over the last, uh, 12 months or so, particularly another surprise though, Ren, and this company, um, completely dropped off my radar. I must admit over the last couple of years, uh, since their IPO that sort of fell flat and then they tried to launch a pair of wearable glasses, and uh, subsequently, I didn't really hear much, but they are roaring back, and that is Snap Inc. and Evan Spiegel. So, uh, what can we expect to hear from uh, from Snap? I know there are a few surprises in there around, well, not surprises, but a real focus on AR. Yeah, we'll forget Snap. Uh, well, Snapchat as a social media platform. Snap is an augmented reality company. Like that is. That is what their value proposition is and the the way that that sort of just materializes is in their social media platform. Um, But over 200 million users globally use Snapchat, which is a pretty phenomenal number. It doesn't really touch Facebook's 2.9 billion, but still (laughs) 200 million, pretty impressive. Um, 
But yeah, I, I listened to this clip and my big takeaway was forget Snap as a social network. It, if you're investing in Snap, it's an augmented reality tech play. Um, and that's the thing I love about these earnings calls. You see the way that the company leaders view these companies. So again, probably not much more we need to talk about. Let's, um, let's throw it to Evan Spiegel and, and hear his thoughts. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you all for joining us today. Our second quarter results reflect the broad-based strength of our business and the hard work of our team as we execute to serve our community and partners. This quarter, we grew both revenue and daily active users at the highest rates we have achieved in the last four years. Daily active users grew 23% year-over-year to $293 million, and we more than doubled revenue year-over-year to $982 million generating $117 million in adjusted EBITDA. Adjusted EBITDA improved by $213 million compared to last year, marking our third adjusted EBITDA profitable quarter in the last 12 months, as we continue to demonstrate the leverage in our business as we scale. At our annual Partner Summit in May, we introduced new product innovations for our community and partners, including the next generation of Spectacles Augmented Reality Glasses, that overlay computing on the world. And we are excited by the tremendous opportunity for our business in 2021 and beyond. We made significant progress with our augmented reality platform this quarter. More than 200 million Snapchatters engage with AR every day on average, and over 200,000 creators use Lens Studio to build AR lenses for our community. We are focused on learning from our large and engaged community of Snapchatters and creators which allows us to continually improve our AR lenses and the tools we provide to create them in Lens Studio. This quarter, our cartoon 3D style lens, which uses machine learning to turn people into a 3D animated cartoon in real time, highlighted the power of lenses to go viral both inside and outside of Snapchat. In the first week of release, it generated 2.8 billion impressions on Snapchat alone. We rolled out Lens Studio 4.0 at our partner summit with new features like visual classification, multi-person 3D body mesh, advanced cloth simulation, true size technology for eyewear try-on, and the new visual effects editor, which enables creators to build sophisticated lenses without writing any code. We also launched connected lenses, which enables real-time shared experiences in augmented reality 
like building a Lego model together with your friends. We are continuing to create value for businesses by reimagining the shopping experience through AR, by leveraging the long-term investments we've made in augmented reality and personalization we are laying the groundwork for an improved online shopping experience. For example, we are making it easier to discover new fashion items through scan by helping Snapchatters scan a friend's outfit or a saved photo or screenshot to shop similar looks and recommendations. When it comes to purchases and returns, we believe that helping people find the right size and improving the try-on experience could both increase conversion rates for purchases as well as reduce the rate of returns for online shopping. We are excited about this opportunity because returned goods cost businesses hundreds of billions of dollars each year and have a large environmental impact. We are pleased with our early progress in this space and look forward to experimenting and learning more with our retail and e-commerce partners. We are also collaborating with a variety of partners to power AR experiences in their own applications with Camera Kit, which brings the power of the Snapchat camera to partner applications using our SDK. This quarter, we rolled out a number of Camera Kit partnerships worldwide, including with Walt Disney World. We'll commemorate their 50th anniversary with an AR experience where visitors can place their own picture on Cinderella's castle to create a virtual mosaic of shared moments, as well as access exclusive AR lenses with Disney characters through the My Disney Experience app. We also partnered with Bumble and Viber to bring lenses to their respective mobile apps and are working with Google to bring our lenses directly to the new Geo phone in India with a native camera integration. We announced our next generation of spectacles at our partner summit, which are available exclusively for creators. They are our first device with a built-in 3D augmented reality display and represent another step forward toward our goal of overlaying computing on the world. So pretty phenomenal growth there um, from from Snap. To be honest, I would have said that uh, Twitter was a bigger company in terms of active users than Snap, but I was pleasantly surprised to find that Snap just has the lead in terms of uh, active users. But speaking of active users, Ren, you did mention the massive size of Facebook, 2.9 billion uh, active users on Facebook, which is just phenomenal given, the, I guess, the population of the world. Um, but their Q2 earnings call featured uh, a bit of a an interesting take from Mark Zuckerberg on the future of Facebook and how he's, I guess, trying to not necessarily pivot, but move it towards what he sees as the future of computing. Yeah, I think the really important context for the next two clips is Mark Zuckerberg's finest moment as CEO of Facebook was he realized how disruptive and how game-changing mobile would be very early, and he internally disrupted his whole business to focus on mobile. And obviously it worked, and it really set the stage for the business that we know today. That is important context because Mark is once again trying to pick the future of the internet and it is a term that I wasn't very familiar with but I've done some reading up on it, the metaverse. Now, is that is that a f- term that you, you know, you love Roblox so maybe you're familiar with it? Uh, it's not a term that I'd, I'd actually come across but when we were talking about this offline, yes, it does seem that Roblox is certainly playing in this space. I'm not sure if their version of it is what Mark sees but um, 
keen to hear what, uh, what how you would describe it. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm not going to describe it as well as Mark is going to in the clip <laughs> yeah. we're about to play. <laughs> but basically, the metaverse brings the physical, the augmented, and the virtual world together into an immersive internet. Right now, our interaction with the internet is mediated through our phones or through our computers. And I guess the metaverse is really asking the question, what if it wasn't? So mm. Zuckerberg shared some thoughts on, on the earnings call. Um, so we've got two clips here. The first one from his introductory remarks, the second one from a question where he was asked to expand on it. Uh, so let's hear Mark Zuckerberg explain what he sees as the future of Facebook and more generally the future of computing. Um, the third area I want to talk about is building the next computing platform. Um, we're continuing to invest very heavily in building technology and products to deliver a full sense of presence. Uh, this is going to be critical for unlocking the next generation of social internet services. Uh, Quest 2, in particular, continues doing well, and, and it keeps getting better monthly as we release regular software updates, including most recently our pass-through API, so developers can start building mixed reality experiences on Quest. The, uh, the range of content and experiences that we're seeing keeps broadening as well, uh, to the point where there are a lot of popular virtual reality experiences beyond games at this point. Uh, the most popular apps on Quest are, are social, which, which fits our original thesis uh, here that virtual reality will be a social platform, and that's why, why we're so focused on building it. Um, but we're also seeing compelling use cases in other forms of entertainment as well, um, as well as work, creativity, and, and fitness. Looking ahead here, uh, the next product release uh, will be the launch of our first smart glasses uh, from Ray-Ban in partnership with Essilor Luxottica. Um, the glasses have their iconic form factor and they let you do uh, some pretty neat things. So I'm excited to get these into people's hands um, and to continue to make progress uh, on, on the journey towards full augmented reality glasses in the future. Uh, now, the areas that I've discussed today uh, creators, commerce, and the next computing platform, they're, they're each important priorities for us, and they're each going to unlock a lot of value on their own. Um, but together, these efforts are also part of a much larger goal um, to help build the metaverse. And I'll be sharing a lot more about this in months ahead. Um, so I wanted to discuss this now so you can, you can see the future that we're working towards and, and how our major initiatives across the company are going to map to that. Uh, so what is the metaverse? It's, um, you know, it's a virtual environment where you can be present with people in, in digital spaces. And you, you can kind of think about this as an embodied internet that you're inside of rather than just looking at. And we believe that this is going to be the successor to the mobile internet. Uh, you're going to be able to access the metaverse from all different devices and different levels of fidelity, from, from apps on phones and PCs to um, immersive virtual and augmented reality devices. Uh, within the metaverse, you're going to be able to hang out, uh, play games with friends, work, create, and more. Um, you're basically going to be able to do everything that you can on the internet today, um, as well as some things that don't make sense on the internet today, like dancing. Um, you know, the defining quality of the metaverse is presence, which is this feeling that you're really there with another person or in another place. Creation, avatars, and, and digital objects are going to be central to how we express ourselves, and this is going to lead to entirely new experiences and economic opportunities. I think that overall, this is one of the most exciting projects uh, that we're going to get to work on in our lifetime. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work, and, and no one company is going to be able to build this all by themselves. Part of what I've learned over the last five years is that 
you know, we can't just focus on building great experiences. We, we also need to make sure that we're helping to build ecosystems so millions of, of other people can participate in the upside and opportunity of what we're all creating. Uh, there are going to need to be new protocols and standards, new devices, new chips, new software from, from rendering engines, payment systems, and everything in between. And in order for the metaverse to fill its potential, and we believe that it should be built in a way that is open for everyone to participate. I expect that this is going to create a lot of value for many companies up and down the stack, but it's also going to require a very significant investment over many years. I see our focus here as a continuation of our work to build technology that brings people together. In many ways, the metaverse is the ultimate expression of social technology. Some of the experiences that that I've dreamed of building since well before I started Facebook are only starting to become possible now. Um, if you look at the investments that we've made over the years, uh, you can see this vision gradually starting to come to focus and, and you can see why we're so excited about it. So in addition to being the next generation of the internet, um, the metaverse is also gonna be the next chapter for us as a company. And in the coming years, I expect people will transition from seeing us primarily as a social media company uh, to seeing us as a metaverse company. And there's a lot that we need to do to get there, um, and there are going to be many exciting milestones along the way, including some which we'll share in the months ahead. Uh, but in the meantime, um, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone in our community, all of our partners and employees, um, and everyone who has supported us so far. I, uh, I continue to be grateful to be on this journey with all of you. And now, uh, here is Cheryl. Well, there you go, Ren. A lot to get your head around when it comes to the metaverse. Zuckerberg is obviously, he's obviously got his head around it more than you and I do. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out over at Facebook. Can he do another incredible pivot and uh, continue the, the growth story of Facebook? Time will only tell, I guess. So I guess then, Ren, the question that a lot of analysts on the call were asking is, uh, what does the business model look like? for a business that's I know, centered around the metaverse. We know the traditional uh, form of business model for Facebook at the moment is primarily advertising, pretty uh, straightforward to understand. But uh, in this clip, we hear from Mark as he explains how they plan to uh, scale and then actually look to monetizing this business model of the metaverse. You know, what we're primarily focused on here, um, before I get into the, the business model, now, our basic playbook as a company is build products that get to scale, especially social products. It's important that the people you want to interact with are there. So we're going to focus on having hundreds of millions of people use um, the metaverse and, and the new platforms that we're building before we, we really turn this into um, what I expect to be a very important and, and, and big part of the business. Uh, but, but overall, and I think that there's, as we embark on this next chapter, ads are going to continue being an important part of the strategy across the social media parts of what we do, and, and, and it'll probably be a meaningful part of the metaverse, too. I think commerce is going to be increasingly important, um, which is why we're, one of the reasons why we're focused on this um, across our current apps and, and, and the current economy. Um, but I think digital goods and creators are just going to be huge, right, in terms of people expressing themselves through their avatars, through digital clothing, through digital goods, the apps that they have, um, that they bring with them from place to place. A lot of the metaverse experience is going to be around being able to teleport from one experience to another. So being able to, um, you know, basically have your, your digital goods and your inventory and bring them from place to place, I think that's going to be a big investment that people 
that, that people make. And our focus for now is really on um, you know, helping to develop the community, helping to develop the number of people who, who uh, and grow the number of people who can be in these metaverse experiences and can experience some of these next computing platforms like virtual and augmented reality. Um, and that's, I think, what you should expect us to focus on for the next period. But over the long term, I think that there's going to be a very big digital economy around this. And that's what we're primarily going to be shooting for. Um, you know, our business model isn't going to primarily be around trying to you know, sell devices at a large premium or anything like that, because our mission is around serving as many people as possible. So we want to make everything that we do as affordable as possible so as many people as possible can get into it and then um, compound the size of the digital economy inside it. So that, that's, that's kind of at a high level how, how, um, how I'm thinking about this, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about this more as, as we continue to evolve the investment. And um, Dave can, can speak about um, the expenses and, and disclosures and, and all that, but I, I will note that, um, that I, I appreciate the ingenuity and cleverness of looking to our job descriptions to, uh, to, to see where we're investing. This is a big, a big focus, as I called out in, um, in my comments at the beginning. So there we have it, Mark Zuckerberg explaining what he sees as the future of the internet and how Facebook, I guess, wants to play a role in that and, and how they may make money from that in the future. Uh, so, Bryce, that is really all we have time for today. Already a pretty long episode. Um, I think, you know, we could have featured so many more earnings calls. There's It's such a rich stream of information coming from these earnings calls uh, at this time of year. So if you want to hear from more company CEOs, you can go and check the Quarter app, uh, Q-U-A-R-T-R, download it from the App Store or headed to their website, quarter.se. But we've got two more of these episodes coming, Bryce. So we're not going to be going over US companies again. We're going to do a bit of a trip around the world, uh, but plenty more CEOs and company leaders to hear from. That's right, Ren. We are done with the US. We're going to be heading overseas to Europe next. You mentioned that Sweden is the home of audio. Spotify have also released their earnings. So we'll definitely check in on them as well as some of the companies that uh, the Equimates community may not have heard of. So looking forward to that. Um, and then we'll be doing an episode uh, featuring some of the companies back in Australia. So very much looking forward to that as well. Just a shout out, though, that uh, keep your ears tuned for this Thursday as we continue with our CEO series. We've got John Gusich from Webjet, Managing Director of Web Webjet, who was kind enough to give us some of his time. And we really dug into the impact of COVID, the growth of Webjet, their massive business webbeds, and the future plans. So if you're interested in Webjet or one of the shareholders, Make sure you stick around and, and tune into our episode on Thursday as we chat with John. But Ren, always good to chat stocks. Um, we will be back next week with another reporting season episode. But until then, um, happy listening. Sounds good. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. 
In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 